First Thessalonians chapter 5, starting at verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and admonish you, hold them in the highest regard, in love, because of their work. Live in peace with each other, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecy with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. <coughs> May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As we come to God's word this evening, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we come to your word now, you would be working in us to keep us standing firm to the end. Would these words of Paul here strengthen, encourage, and build us up to help each other until the Lord Jesus returns? Please empower my words by the Holy Spirit and cause the words we hear this evening to be the very words of God. Amen. Well, did you know that since 1875, there have been 2,905 successful recorded swims across the English Channel. Now, the Channel Swimming Association, that is the CSA, keeps a record of every person who's ever managed it. And each and every success gets the honour of being listed on the CSA website. But it's not for faint-hearted. See, the CSA tells that all potential swimmers need to know it's not the distance that's the challenge, but more the British variable conditions you're going to encounter. And the winds, they may vary, but reach wind for six. And the waves may reach excess of two metres. The water is cold. There's a good chance of meeting a jellyfish, seaweed, or the occasional pack of wood. It's also one of the busiest shipping lanes in the world, with 600 tankers and 200 ferries crossing it daily. Who's joining me? It's a very British challenge, isn't it? And it just happens that the record for the most swims across the channel at one time has been done by the Aussies. All the advice, though, succeeding in that challenge says this. Continue just as you started. Continue just as you started. Or, as the great philosopher 
doorway, the tankfish says, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Amidst the jellyfish, the seaweeds, the occasional plant of wood, and the Aussie doing laps around you. Well, I have the great pleasure this evening of finishing this series in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And this is a letter written to a church that has been against the tides. See, this small church in Thessalonica has had a lot of pressure on them. In Acts chapter 17, we're told they came to faith in the midst of mob violence. Then to make matters worse, their church planter, the Apostle Paul, had been unable to visit them to see how they're doing. He'd been unable to encourage them in their faith, as he would usually do. Yet there had been a genuine work of the gospel there in Thessalonica. These believers had heard and believed the gospel. And it had changed their lives. They were working by faith, laboring in love and enduring in hope. They had turned from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. They truly were new covenant believers. They had begun well, and they were doing well. Paul had heard from his protege, Timothy, the great news that despite pressure, this small church had continued in the faith. They were doing well. But here, in 1 Thessalonians 5, the question in Paul's mind, and the question that will be in ours this evening, is will they make it to the end? Will they be like the successful channel swimmer? making it into that famed CSA website record book? Will they continue to the end? In these verses here, Paul is going to outline for us what standing firm to the end is going to require. What do these believers need to continue to stand firm to the end? And we're in the same boat too. We are called to continue until Jesus returns. That is the finish line, that is the goal. And that future event affects how we live now. And so we need the encouragement that Paul is giving here this evening. How will the Thessalonians, how will we continue to stand firm to the end? And Paul's answer here is through love and devotion. Through love and devotion. That is the two big things Paul has here with two specific focuses each for us to see this evening. And those are two things Paul has already called believers too. In chapter 4, verse 1, Paul applauded the Thessalonians for living lives that pleased God, living lives of devotion to God. Just flick back a page to chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says here, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you, And urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. You see it there, can't you? The Thessalonians are doing well now. And so what does Paul say to them? He says, continue. Keep doing it more and more. Paul urges them to keep going in their devotion, in their holy living for the Lord. And then just take your eyes down to the bottom of that page, bottom right, chapter 4, verse 10. Paul says the same thing about love. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. 
Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. Again, you do love, and so Paul urges, love more and more. Love and holy living. Peace among the family believers and devotion to the Lord. The Thessalonians are doing it already, and so Paul says to them, keep doing it more and more. See, this letter here is a great letter to a church that is continuing, a church that is going on. As you continue, as you do the regular things in the Christian life, as you continue to follow Jesus, keep going more and more. And each one of these 17 commands in this passage this evening tie into those two big themes. And the great news is that he who calls you to do it is faithful to ensure that it will happen. So let's think about love, shall we? The first area that Paul applies love into this evening is love your leaders. That's our first point of your note taker. How will you continue to stand firm to the end? By loving your leaders. Have a look down at verses 12 and 13. Now we urge you, brothers and sisters, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. One leadership book that I have on my bookshelf at home defines a leader as someone who has people following them. In fact, if you're a leader and you don't have people following you, well, you're just out for a walk. But Paul wants us to see that having the right relationship with the leaders of a church is key to standing firm to the end. So what does Paul have to say about leaders? Well, firstly, have a look at verse 12. Leaders are those who work hard among you. The leaders are those who work like Paul did, working day and night for the good of those in their care. They are working or labouring in love. They are those transformed by the gospel. Verse 13, they ought to be held in the highest regards in love because of their work. So what is their work? Well, the rest of verse 12 fleshes that out. It is caring for you in the Lord and admonishing you. Or you could say shepherding and correcting. Holding leaders in high regard is essential to the firmness of a church. In fact, you only have to think about the opposite for how a church falls apart. The church that rejects its leaders. The church that splits over the leadership. It doesn't take much to realise just how important leaders are to a church. It's easy to follow leaders when things are good. When they are caring for you and you want to be cared for. But it's so much more difficult when admonition, when correction needs to happen. As a leader of a church, let me tell you, it is difficult both for the leader to correct as well as for the person being corrected. No leader wants to admonish. No leader in their right mind enjoys correcting others. It takes real work, real efforts to do. And let's face it, none of us like being shown where we're not matching the mark. 
But do you see what Paul says here? Paul says here it is essential in keeping us on the right path to the very end. In this young church of Thessalonica, these leaders won't have been believers for very long themselves. I mean, that's going to make it hard, isn't it? But Paul can say this to them, so how much more can he say it to us? A church that is going to stand firm to the end needs to be shepherded and corrected. It needs the leaders to care for and admonish its members. It needs the leaders to be shepherded and corrected. It takes effort from both sides. But the church that loves its leaders makes that job easier. And the church that loves its leaders is going to continue to stand firm to the end. Yet it's not just the leaders who are to be loved. Paul also calls believers to love one another. That's our second point. Love one another. You can see that in verses 14 to 15. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. A church family that has been impacted by the gospel is made up of all sorts of different people. You only have to look around to see how unifying the gospel message truly is. And that means that all sorts of different people will need all sorts of different help on this journey that we share together. There are different strokes for different folks. You need the right medicine for the right illness. Well, Paul mentions three different groups here in Thessalonica that should be loved in different ways. To get the medicine wrong in each would be disastrous. It shows us what the multi-angled meaning of love is. So firstly, do you see there? The idle and disruptive, there in verse 14... What do they need? Well, they need warning. Why is that? Well, flick back with me to 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 3. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 3, where Paul says, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. To be idle and disruptive is the opposite of that. It's the opposite of doing work produced by faith. It's potentially a sign of faithlessness. It's to be in danger of being asleep when Jesus returns. So the loving thing to do for those church members is to warn them, to remind them of the reality of Jesus' impending return. In fact, the word there is the word we had earlier. It's the word admonish. Just like the leaders were called to do. Just like Paul has done. A church family is to correct each other. To keep each other going in the gospel. To pick each other up when they're flagging. And you see here, Paul says that is a loving thing to do. Secondly, the disheartened need encouragement. 
would be completely the wrong approach to warn a disheartened person, wouldn't it? Instead, we're to encourage them. Perhaps in the Thessalonian church, these are the people suffering from persecution or those who are feeling the loss of a loved one. Loving them looks like encouraging them in the truth of the gospel, reminding them of what Jesus has done and reminding them that we will be with Jesus forever. Again, just what Paul has done through this letter. Thirdly, the weak, they need help. Those who struggle with parts of their faith, whether that's a spiritual struggle or a physical struggle, whether there's a particular temptation they face, something the tempter could exploit. Church families are to love one another by helping the weak. And just in case those categories didn't catch everyone, Paul widens the net out at the end of that verse. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Can you see the point there? Love one another. That is how you're going to stand firm to the end. Again, it doesn't take much, does it, to see how not doing that can lead to a church not standing firm. Uh, The church that is made up of solo mountaineers, sorry, mountaineers, but a church made up of solo mountaineers will not stick together. Or turn on your TV on a Thursday evening to BBC One as a team in The Apprentice, made up of big, egoed entrepreneurs, fails to stand together. Each one is there to make a name for themselves. But when they're called into the boardroom and Lord Sugar says, whose fault was this? Well, you know it's all going to fall apart. But a church shouldn't be like an episode of The Apprentice. A church should be those who love one another. Having a group that loves you and that you can love back is how you make it to the end. And that is why attending, serving, being a real part of a church family is so important. Committing to and being committed to. Yeah, that does take work, doesn't it? We need to take Paul's encouragement here because in the interest of love, we could end up not loving one another. What do I mean by that? Well, love is tough. Love takes effort. Love can be scary. I mean, it's, nice, it's, it's easy to be nice to each other, uh, to smile, put on a face each Sunday. But it's so, so much harder, so much more costly to really love one another. To come alongside the disheartened may take a long time. It may be hard work. To give help to the weak may have its setbacks, its disappointments along the way. To admonish, the, to warn the idle and disruptive, well, it's hard enough for the leader... But when you risk upsetting someone you really like, well, you could end up losing friends. But real Christianity serves the living and true God in his church, through his church. And so it's the loving thing to do. And it's for everyone's good. So the church that's going to continue to the end needs to love one another. So love your leaders, love one another. More and more and more love.
That is key, Paul says, to make it to the end. And then in verses 16 to 28, Paul turns from the horizontal, each other, to the vertical. From love to holiness. Or to use another word, devotion. And the first place that our devotion should show is to the Lord. As our third point this evening, be devoted to the Lord. Both by listening to him and speaking to him. Firstly, speak to him at all times. Just look out for the all language as I read verses 16 to 18. Rejoice always. Pray continue all-ly. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Did you hear the alls? In all situations, speak to God. That's exactly what Paul has been modelling through this letter. He rejoices in the Thessalonians. He prays for the Thessalonians at all points. He gives thanks to God for them. In all situations, speak to God. Continue to do that more and more. In fact, look at the end of verse 18. Paul can say that that is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. Paul's already used that phrase previously in this letter. Uh, Back in chapter 4, verse 3, Paul said, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Sanctified there, meaning being made holy. And that is what prayer does here too. As you pray more and more, as you pray in all situations, you align yourself more and more with what God is doing in this world. You are more and more devoted to God's plan for yourself and for those around you. And that will cause you to stand firm to the end. So speak to God. And also listen to God. Verses 19 to 22. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Right at the start of this letter, Paul reminded the Thessalonians that they were brought to faith by God's words. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5, Paul said, Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. When the Thessalonians heard Paul preach, the Holy Spirit was at work through God's words. The Holy Spirit empowered the preaching of God's words. And God's word is not something a Christian ever, ever graduates from. So for a church to stand firm, a church needs to continue listening to God. The Thessalonians started well. They are doing well, but to finish well, they need to not ignore that same word they began with. Or as Paul can say here, They need to not quench the Spirit. That is, not stand in opposition to what God's Spirit is doing as God's Word goes out. That means not denying God's words. Not denying God's words being spoken. That would be to treat prophecy with contempt. Instead, what is our job? Our job is to test everything that is being said. Our job is to be discerning to test the teaching that we are receiving, to hear and heed it when it is good, 
That is, when it aligns with God's written words. And to avoid it like the plague when it is bad, when it does not align with God's words. We are to reject every kind of evil. I don't know if you read the news about Christianity in this land. Maybe it's just me. But generally, the churches that are focused on and continue to focus on God's word are the ones that are, devoid, that are avoiding decline. The churches that are in decline, generally, are the churches that reject God's words. I mean, that shouldn't surprise us, should it? Paul wrote that in 1 Thessalonians. If a church wants to stand firm, if a church wants to continue to the end, it needs to keep listening to God. Yet the struggle to do that is when trials come, when the pressure mounts, whether that is from family situations or when other things are crowding in. Our natural response to trials is to bunker down, to stop attending things, to try and go it alone, to try and solve the problem ourselves. To keep standing firm, we need to do the opposite. We need the prayer meeting. We need the growth group. We need YP, Crossway. We need any meeting we can have. Because we need to see each other. We need to remember the gospel together. We need to pray to God in all situations. We need to keep hearing his words. That's how you continue through trial. And that is what the Thessalonians have been doing. So Paul says to them, great. Now continue more and more. So let me encourage you to continue in your devotion to the Lord. Speaking to him and listening to him. And that takes us to our fourth and final point. And that is, be devoted to Paul's message. Verses 25 to 28. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Paul's message in Thessalonica, or the gospel message, has caused a family to grow. Throughout this letter, Paul has referred to his readers as brothers and sisters. He's using family language. We are united together through the gospel message. In Thessalonica, God has built a household through Paul's message. And so Paul closes this letter calling the Thessalonians to pray for him and his team, to pray for Paul, Silas and Timothy. In the gospel going out through them, but also for them as fellow believers in the gospel, united in Christ with the Thessalonian church. Praying for other believers is such a great privilege, isn't it? It's a privilege we have through the gospel. And Paul calls them to greet each other with a holy kiss. That is a warm welcome. That is a familial, a family welcome. But notice it's holy. It is part of being devoted. It's part of God's plan for relationships in his gospel-bought family. He calls them to read this letter to the rest of the church family. This letter that is dripping with the gospel. 
And he reminds them of the gospel that brought them grace, the generosity of Christ in the good news of Jesus that is theirs through this gospel. So again, we need to do the same. We need to remember Paul's message. We need to remember the gospel. We need to apply that gospel to our lives. And we need each other to do that. So continue to be devoted to Paul's message, to this very gospel. So Spicer Street, more and more love, more and more devotion. That is Paul's answer to how this church will continue to stand firm to the end. Just like a channel swimmer, the Thessalonians need to continue as they started. They started doing these things. They continued doing these things. Great, says Paul. Now continue doing these things more and more to the end. Yeah, you might be thinking to yourself, well, that sounds like a lot of hard work. It is hard work. I mean, are we really going to manage it? If you left this evening thinking it was all on us, I would have done a bad job. But hopefully you are testing the teaching and you've noticed I've missed out two verses. Verses 23 and 24 are a great encouragement to us. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Paul prays just as he's called us to do in this section. And just notice this prayer is picking up the big themes he's been expanding on. He prays that God of peace would enable the Thessalonian church to live in peace. He prays that God would enable their relationships to be right, to live together as God has called them to live, to love one another, to, as verse 13 said, live in peace with each other. And Paul prays that God would sanctify them, make them holy, devoted, not just a bit, but completely, every single part of them, nothing excluded, to be kept blameless. To be kept blameless right until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's praying that God would keep them standing firm right to the end. And here's the encouragement. Look down at verse 24. The one who calls you is faithful. And he will do it. The one who calls you to these things will do them in you. And as this letter has shown, he has done that from the very beginning of our walks with him. God has called the Thessalonians through his gospel and he has called us too. And so we can labour together knowing that God will accomplish what he started. We can work together by faith, labour in love, endure by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. We can be assured that God is working in us to continue what he began. So can I finish by encouraging us all? Continue to build one another up, encourage each other to more and more love of our leaders and each other, and to more and more devotion to the Lord and to his gospel. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, 
We pray that you would help us to be more and more loving and that you would call us to more and more devotion. Would we be those who love our leaders? Would Spicer Street be a church that functions healthily, sticking to the path that you have called all believers to? Would this church be one that loves one another, helping each other stand firm until the day the Lord Jesus returns? Would we all be devoted to you, speaking and listening to you, not turning in on ourselves, but living in a way that pleases you? And cause us to be devoted to this message, the message of the gospel that binds us together as family. And we praise you that you are faithful to us and that you will continue what you began, that you will surely do it. Amen. Well, we're going to sing our next song, He Will Hold Us Fast. As we sing this song, we can encourage each other in the great truth that the Lord has us and will keep us going to the end. So let's stand and sing as the music begins. Amen.